Dr. Beverly Reed. And I'm Dr. Amber Klimczak. And we are Two, Two Peaks in a Pod. Pod. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for coming back. Dr. K, how's your week been? It's been good. We're, um, well, we're dealing with some last-minute construction delays, so that part's been a little bit of a struggle, but... Um, I got a patient pregnant off of an IUI this week that we've been working really hard at. She's been through several rounds of IUIs, so we're really excited. Kennedy and I were jumping up and down when she came in with her HCG level, and she's really pregnant, so (laughs) we're excited for her. Yes. Well, okay, I think we should just be honest. Like, we're feeling extra grumpy today (laughs) Yes. because we have been really working hard on our lab. We are building the best lab and the hard part is when you're building the best lab we are really picky about everything and um we are just going through everything with a fine tooth comb and every time we find something we don't like we're like you got to start from scratch. Yeah. We got to do it again, and yeah. it's just frustrating because it takes a while. <laughs> yeah, so I like to compare us. Dr. Reed and I are sitting at a fancy restaurant, and people keep bringing us out meals, and we're like, absolutely not. Take it back. Not good enough not for good us. Enough. <laughs> Only the best. Yeah. Only the best for a fertility lab. <laughs> and yeah, and I'm sure they hate us for that too. <laughs> yeah. But it's for the patients. Ultimately, it yeah. really is for the benefit of the patients. That's what we care most about. And I will say, we have had a couple of people come in this week and it's been really just neat to hear their stories because some of the workers that we've had in and out of the lab they themselves have been through IVF and I think it's just really special to hear that it's so so important to them that everything is perfect so we know that the people behind the scenes doing things that we can't even reach we can't even get to they care so much that we have the highest level of lab function possible and it just made me feel really good to know and you know a couple of them have IVF babies and they have embryos in storage so it was just really it was a neat connection yeah I think that's been amazing too really the whole process that we've gone through I remember when we even talked to the lender at the bank or any connection we make people tend to really open up to us about their fertility stories and we love hearing them and it really just kind of shows us um, that we're doing the right thing really people need help yes (laughs) yeah it's everywhere yeah Mm -hmm. and I think too, like as we're building this lab, I know we've talked about this before, we are building this lab as if our daughters may need to come use this lab one day. It must be perfect. Um, and so, you know, those take those things take time. So we've just got to work on our patience because I feel like we're being a little impatient today. But Absolutely. it's one of those days. Yes, we're ready. We have patients ready to cycle on our lab. And I'm like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Dr. K, I have a social media um, clip to show you. Or actually, it's a reality TV clip that was on social media that I wanted to share with you. And, uh, you know, again, I love Vanderpump Rules. And last week I showed you a clip with Tom Schwartz. They were talking about his firm. Well, there's another character on the show. Can we pause that? That was like my first exposure to Tom Schwartz. (laughs) My God, he is quite good looking. I can understand why people watch the shows now. I'm like... Intelligence wise, not so much, right? But he is very nice to look at. I was I was impressed. Yes, he's very handsome. And okay, so Tom has a best friend who's named Tom. Oh so gosh. they're okay. the Toms. Okay. <laughs> they have a bar called Tom Tom and yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um and then they just opened a new bar called Schwartz and Sandy's. Um so anyways, this is the other Tom now. Okay. And this is the Tom Is he as good as Tom number one? How impressed well, am I gonna be? 
I I don't think I don't think he's your type. That's <laughs> what I would say. Um, but also, like the world is mad at him because you may remember that I was telling you about the guy who cheated on his mm-hmm. girlfriend. Well, this is mm-hmm. the guy. This is Tom. Oh. Okay. So he okay. and Ariana were in this long term relationship. She froze his eggs. They were gonna fertilize with his sperm, but in the in the background, he was cheating on her. Oh, right, right. right. And okay. so this is kind of just referencing that incident, but. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on the advice, essentially, that they had been given and why we, this is definitely not appropriate advice. Okay. Okay. Wait for it. And I was able to retrieve 26 of them, which is like really, really good. Like incredible. Good job, ovaries. So you just don't drink or smoke anything for like five days, right? Yes. And tonight'll probably, I guess, be my last night then. But that doesn't mean you get drunk. Okay. That's gross behavior. Okay. I mean, would you f- somebody at your bachelor party? Because it's your last night of freedom. No. Right? So you don't need to get faced the last night you drink for five days. Because that's gross. I get it. I know. My stance on all things related to being pregnant, giving birth, is like not really changed. So, I loved her response. Good, yeah. Good job, over. Good job, over. Good job. That, and that is yeah. really good. It and is you know, good. The average person yeah. might get... 10 to 15 eggs. So yeah. I'm like, her. Oh, she got great. all of that in one cycle. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. I'm going to yeah. use that with patients now when I'm scanning. Good job. Yeah. Good job, Good job <laughs> <laughs> She was cute. Okay, so it sounds like their plan was that Tom was going to stop drinking, using drugs, and smoking for five days before he gave his sperm. Yeah. So do you that's think laughable. that's a good plan? Laughable. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think we have probably discussed this on here before, yeah. but, you know, when we talk about making lifestyle adjustments for our male patients, it has to be a lot longer than five days ahead of time, yeah. right? So he's, I think he's sitting in a Hail Mary, and it sounds like it's not going to go well since he's going to bank it all up the the, the day before he has to have this period of not drinking, yes. smoking, anything. But yes, we, we know that the life cycle of sperm is much longer than that. So, you know, mm-hmm. he's really doing damage to his sperm way further in advance than five days. So I think maybe his efforts might not even be worth it. He should probably just keep on doing what he's been doing. <laughs> I know. I was trying to understand where they got this. And yeah. I was thinking that maybe they had been given instructions mm-hmm. that he should abstain from ejaculation mm-hmm. two to five days before he would be giving the sperm. And I think in their mind, they kind of thought, okay, that yeah, means those are going to be the sperm that we're going to use to fertilize yeah. the eggs. And therefore, we don't want them to have any exposure or to all yeah. these toxins. But yeah, with the life cycle of the sperm being two or three months, I mean, five days is just not enough. So I agree. I don't I don't know that that would have helped at all. I don't think he's capable of longer, though. I mean, his <laughs> eyebrows were like very raised at the five-day idea. So yes. I yes. don't know. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then thankfully, they didn't end up going through with that. So Ariana's eggs are still frozen. They are not fertilized with the sperm. They are broken up and, and all the rest. Wait, of the okay. So mm-hmm. she was literally about to go through her egg retrieval. That was the clip. Well, and, she and they were about to uh, thaw her eggs oh, and thaw. fertilize oh, okay. with the sperm. And yeah. then he cheated right then, or she found out he, he was, was cheating. cheating actively at that time. Oh, and yes, and then later she found out and they broke up. So mm-hmm. thank goodness that, yeah, they didn't end up doing that. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Okay, well, kind of moving on. Yeah. Um, today, I think we're going to be talking all about AMH, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So this is a topic that I get asked all the time. Mm-hmm. I think AMH is becoming really just a pop culture sort of thing to do, mm-hmm. and women are wanting to investigate their fertility certainly earlier and just are more involved in the process. So as a lead-in, I kind of want to discuss just a I would say this is a patient that I've seen before, but this is no patient in specific. But someone presents to you know you or me, and she's mm-hmm. 31 years old. She went to see her general OBGYN, and they drew blood work on her, and they come back and they say you have a really low AMH. Your mm-hmm. AMH is 0.3. Hurry up! You've got to get into the fertility doctor. You know you need to go get an evaluation. So I know I've seen this patient before. Yeah. I know for sure you have as well. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of use this patient as an example. How do we approach this patient? How do yeah. we counsel this patient? Because I think there's probably a lot of listeners out there that, yeah. one, are considering getting their AMH drawn, you yeah. know, just to know. And two, maybe that's you out there. You know, you went, mm-hmm. you wanted to find out more information. Now you have the information and you don't really know what to do with it. Yes, yes. Well, I think just some background, too. You know, I'm older. <laughs> when I was in OBGYN residency many years ago, we didn't have AMH back then, or at least it wasn't being routinely tested. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went through this time in my life actually after I had graduated residency where AMH testing became uh, widely available, but we still didn't know that much about it. And so, of course, myself and all my doctor friends got AMH levels on ourselves. Do you remember what yours was? Uh, yeah. And I think mine was like maybe 2.5. And I remember feeling disappointed. Well, I remember feeling disappointed because some of my friends had higher and I'm like, but I thought I was healthy and young and why, you know, um, and I didn't really realize at the time that was a, that was a normal AMH for the age that I was that I checked it at. But, um, but at the time, some of my friends had a very low AMH level. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to say maybe like 0.2 or 0.3. And to see the panic and the stress that it caused that person over time was heartbreaking. Um, At the time, she didn't have her partner. She went to go freeze eggs. They were only able to freeze like one or two eggs. And in her mind, this meant that she was likely going to be infertile. And she did end up meeting a partner. And that was a big part of their relationship when they were deciding to be together is she told him like, I may not be able to have children. And luckily he's a very good and nice guy. And he said, that doesn't matter. I love you. Like we'll adopt. It doesn't matter. Um, and they ended up getting married and when you know it, they got pregnant immediately. There were, she had no trouble getting pregnant and you and I know this to be the case, but I didn't know it back Mm, then. We didn't know as much about AMH back then. Mm. And so I, that story just always stands out to me in my head and I've seen it time and time again. Um, where women unfortunately end up kind of going through a panic attack because they Absolutely. are reading too much into this test. It doesn't mean the test is not important, but it means that it's not telling them what they think that they mean. That Absolutely. It means. So how do you describe AMH to your patients? Because I have my little spiel, but I'm curious when, you yeah. know, just... What do you say? Okay, this is what this hormone is. How do you describe it to your patients so they can understand? Yeah, so what I say is AMH is an indicator of what your ovarian reserve is. Certainly we know that when we're born, we are born with millions of eggs, but as we age, we start losing eggs every month. And so a way to kind of keep an eye on how fast our loss rate is, is that you can see your AMH level. The thing is, though, AMH is really kind of an indicator of how generous your ovaries are every month. So we know as women, most of us grow and ovulate one egg a month, but where does that egg come from? 
Well, in the very beginning of that cycle, you your ovaries start off with follicles. And most women would have maybe six or 10 follicles, but only one would end up growing and ovulating for that month. But women with a low AMH, instead of, for example, having six to 10 follicles on each ovary, they may have maybe one or two follicles on each ovary. That just means they're starting from less, but ultimately they're still able to grow and ovulate that one egg as long as everything else is looking good. <clears throat> yeah, I love that description. I I break it down similarly to my patients. Mm-hmm. I like to, I always make my picture of the ovary and I yeah. say, okay, ovary kind of looks like a chocolate chip cookie, yeah. right? So it's a circle and then we have small circles on the inside. Those small circles are the follicles or the houses for the eggs. And so in theory, right, your brain is selecting a group of follicles to put forward each month, just like you're seeing. And of that group, you select one and you ovulate it. AMH comes from those smaller resting follicles, right? So it's really an indicator of how many resting follicles does your body put forward each month for you to choose from to ovulate. And exactly like you're saying, if you have a lower AMH, you probably have lower numbers of follicles to choose from to ovulate each month. But are you ovulating each month? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you're ovulating each month, do you have a chance of getting pregnant on your own? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really important thing to understand. Yes, yes. I think the hard part about AMH2 is it really is only telling us about the number of follicles, but it doesn't really tell us about egg quality. Absolutely. And I think you would probably agree with me that egg quality is so much more important than egg number, right? Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. so that's why, you know, my patient in the example that I'm using, she's young, right? So all things considered, even if you have a limited quantity, you have a lower AMH indicating, ah, maybe, you know, you don't have as many eggs to choose from to ovulate each month, the quality of the egg that you end up ovulating is probably pretty good. There are good studies to show that younger women with limited egg reserve have similar quality eggs to their peers. And we, as fertility doctors, we say we would Mm -hmm. always choose quality over quantity every time, 100% Mm -hmm. of the time. So I think that's something really reassuring for any young women out there that are, you know, sitting here listening, thinking, I know that I have limited egg reserve. Yeah but you have good quality. Yes, yes. Um, Sometimes I'll just, to give an extreme example, tell a patient, look, I would rather have somebody who's 25 years old with an AMH of 0.5 than have a patient that's 45 with an AMH of five. Absolutely. That Mm. 25-year-old is gonna have much better chances of success because we know when we're younger, our egg quality is better. Even if we don't have as many numbers, we're still going to have actually reasonable chances of getting pregnant. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing I really wanted to chat about, because I think so many women are, are getting their numbers tested mm-hmm. and they want to know, you know, how do I use this? What kind of tool is this to me? And I think something important to understand is getting your AMH tested. If you are someone who has not been trying to conceive, you're not in that population of subfertility or infertile women out there, and you're just getting your AMH checked sort of randomly to estimate where are you on that curve for how many eggs you may have in your lifetime, there really is not a lot of data to show that it is a good predictor of your ability to get pregnant later on your own. Just like Dr. Reed's friend, she's like the perfect example, right? She got her AMH tested randomly, you know, and it was low and it did exactly what it was supposed to do. So we say AMH is a good predictor of 
how likely you are to respond to fertility medications and how we should dose you for fertility medications. Really good studies to show that. So her friend didn't respond so well to IVF, probably had to be dosed highly, right, Mm -hmm. on IVF medications. She did, yeah. Perfect example of what AMH is good for. But she ended up getting pregnant on yeah. her own. Yeah. Again, a perfect example of what the studies show. AMH does not predict your ability to get pregnant on your own. And yeah. so if you really haven't been trying to conceive and you don't know if mm-hmm. you're going to have trouble trying to conceive, then AMH probably isn't that useful of a tool yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I know sometimes people will check an AMH level because they're trying to help themselves decide, should I freeze my eggs, right? But I would really argue that regardless of what your AMH level is, if you're asking the question, you probably should freeze your eggs, right? right? Because even if you have a normal or high AMH, we don't really know how fast that is going to decline for you. And I know certainly you've probably seen this before too. You may have seen somebody with a totally normal AMH and a year later it's dropped. And so whether it's low, medium, or high, if you think that you're going to be needing your fertility for the future and not the present, it's probably wise to go ahead and freeze your eggs no matter what the result is. Absolutely. I think the perfect example of a patient that's in that situation is a PCOS patient. Mm-hmm. So we know, like you're saying, PCOS patients, they have a lot of resting follicles. Yeah. Their brain is more generous each month. They put forward a lot of follicles to mm-hmm. choose from, right? But later, Mm -hmm. they're going to have trouble getting pregnant on their own. So PCOS patients, because they have a lot of resting follicles, they have very high AMHs. Mm -hmm. But they're the perfect example of patients that when they're ready to try later on their own, they may have trouble. So you might have a 30-year-old PCOS patient. She gets her AMH checked. It's nice and nice. She thinks, wow, I have plenty of years left. I don't need to freeze my Mm -hmm. eggs. You know, I don't need to do anything right now. Not necessarily, because it's just... It's not the situation that you are going to be in later on the road. You are going to have trouble ovulating. You're going to need help later. So, mm-hmm. again, why not freeze your eggs if you're worried about it? Yeah, yeah. It's a good indication to freeze your eggs. Yeah. Now, whenever I have somebody come to see me with a low AMH, I am also asking some other questions because sometimes there are things that can make it appear that your ovarian reserve is low, but it's not really. So probably one of the major things that I'll see is if a woman has been on birth control pills for a prolonged period of time, sometimes that can falsely lower the AMH. And this has been shown in studies as well. I think it's interesting because when AMH first came out, they told us it was not affected by birth control pills. And again, we saw a lot of people get worried or panicked, but um, has it been your experience that sometimes if you take them off, it can bounce back? Absolutely. And so, you know, a couple things. First, I love birth control pills. I want everyone out there to know that we are supporters of taking birth control pills. They do not affect your fertility. In actuality, they do not affect your fertility. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there's a lot of benefits to taking birth control pills. They lower and decrease your risk of ovarian cancer if you've been on them for a while. So love birth control pills. Nothing against birth control pills. But when you're on them for an extended period of time, it basically says brain be quiet. You don't need to work hard. You don't need to be stimulating the ovaries right now. When brain is quiet, ovaries get quiet. So then they're not really making those smaller follicles that are preparing to later ovulate. And so things are suppressed. And when you get the levels, AMH is a marker of how many small resting follicles you have around. Well, your brain has told your ovaries to kind of shut down. So there's not a lot of resting follicles. They have suppressed AMHs. Mm-hmm. And I had a really interesting patient this week that had exactly this <clears throat> happened to her. So she had her baby, one baby, no problem, got pregnant pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Then she was thinking about having baby number two. They're kind of uncertain. She's been on birth control pills for about four years mm-hmm. since then. And so her 
one of her family members had told her, well, you know, I think maybe you should look into to doing IVF. That way you can, you know, for sure have your embryos frozen and you not have yeah. to worry about it. So she went in, she had just stopped her birth control pills after mm-hmm. four years. Mm-hmm. They did testing, mm-hmm. low AMH. She's mm-hmm. hysterical. Oh yeah. my gosh, I have, I have no eggs left. Yeah. You know, I'm so worried. They rushed to do IVF. Oh, no. So then she did IVF within four weeks. She started her medications. Wow. Okay. Didn't have a great response didn't get pregnant from IVF. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. in that whole time period, she had her lab testing. Everything Mm -hmm. was low, but Mm -hmm. we don't know. Was she really low? Is she really dealing with low ovarian supply, low egg counts? Or is she just suppressed from being on birth control pills for four years? And so I told her, I'm like, hey, we've got to do a little bit more investigation. She's Mm -hmm. been off of pills now for some time. I want to see if she's rebounded. Sometimes your AMH can go back up. And Mm -hmm. that's what you're talking about. We absolutely Absolutely. take people off for about three months. We repeat labs. Brain is awake now. It's Mm -hmm. stimulating ovaries. We get small resting follicles and AMH levels look a lot better. Yes, absolutely. And um, I've also seen it, although uh, not as commonly, sometimes from an IUD. So you know how some um, IUDs contain progestin. And um, in, you know, usually it just stays locally in the uterus, um, but I think everybody's body is a little bit different. And so every now and then, if I've had somebody who has an IUD with a progestin in it and the AMH is low, sometimes we'll pull the IUD and recheck it. And sometimes I've seen it bounce back. I would not say it's as dramatic as the effect from birth control pills, but have you seen that too? You know who I've seen that in are Mm -hmm. um, donor egg patients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so often they'll have an IUD, right? So they're not trying to get pregnant. And so we'll be doing their testing when they have their IUD in Mm -hmm. and we're like, Ooh, like you're very young, you know, you're 25 years old. This is an unexpected low count, you know, number for your AMH. And so then they'll try, it's hard because donors, you don't really want to pull them off of their form of contraception, but we may switch them and see if they recover. Yeah. 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 And you did see a recovery when y'all did that. Yeah. There's been two patients that we've looked at it. One of them we did pull Mm -hmm. them and and her AMH recovered. Yeah. So yeah. 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 And again, it's not like we're saying that we think that it actually affects fertility but may just affect the appearance of a low ovarian reserve. And so I think these are important things to, mm-hmm. to kind of factor in. Mm-hmm.